corner, you recognize who's there? The old days of the Sunshine Lodge. Remember Sunshine Lodge? The school is no longer there. The school has closed now. But we lodged there and we were helping the, the children. Um, and then on the left side, this uncle who just on his own initiative on a, on a Sunday, he saw a lot of leaves outside our lift lobby and decided to clean it. Uh, if you see him, this, you will see him this Sunday. He normally sits right where the handicapped car park is because I don't know, for some reason, he doesn't like to go downstairs. So serve him coffee and get some refreshments for him. I'm talking about in His Majesty's service, in God's service. And today is a very special day. Um, this year is a very special year. We have a whole lot of anniversaries. Boys' Brigade and the kindergarten are, is, are 30 years old this year, in 2017. And I believe our Boys' Brigade and kindergarten is uh, probably older than many of you. Not true, huh? Many of your grandchildren. Yeah, many of your grandchildren. Um, our Community Services Centre is 15 years old this year, and we do want to celebrate. And of course, this church is 135 years old. Okay, in this premises, 35, but from the day, the first, uh, when we started, is 135 years old. So I want to announce this year that we will be closing down PPH Sunday services on 16th of July. I think you might have already heard about this. On the 16th of July, we want to close down this church. Okay, nothing will happen inside the walls of the church. Instead, we want to hold a Sunday service, service in inverted commas in Teban Gardens. And in God's name, we're going to hold this service to serve the community. Right? Service is about serving. So in bold print, it'll be PPH Community Services Centre, PPH CSC 15th anniversary we're going to celebrate. Then in the smaller print, we will say it is supported by PPH Brethren Church, 135 years old. So we celebrate both together and it'll be very uh, acceptable to the community. For our 135th church anniversary celebration, I'm thinking of this theme. From the top of your head to the tip of your toe. From head to toe. So how do we serve for the head? I'm looking for professional or at least experienced hairdressers and head massages or masseuse. I'm going to use the word massager. I think it's easier to understand. People who can know how to massage the head. I'm in contact with a professional hairdresser, in fact, quite a famous one, and I'm hoping that he can round up 10 professional or maybe trainee hairdressers for us so that we can serve from the top of our head on the 16th of July this year. And then, to the tip of our toe, okay, I am looking for toenail cutters, which is a more gross name for pedicure. Pedicure sounds nicer, right? Uh, and also food massages, food masseuse. Okay, I hope to have 10, 10, 10, 10 of everything. Okay, and maybe 20 better so that we can have a, a roster service. It won't be so tiring. And of course, we will do a carnival. I think we can do carnivals now in PPH with eyes closed, one hand tied behind our back. Right? Uh, I think we know how to do carnivals now. We just had one uh, two Saturdays uh, ago. And... I think we can also replicate what we had last Sunday in Teban Gardens. Remember what happened last, Saturday, uh, last Sunday? 
Can't remember. Go in, come out already. <laughs> we had a CG Sunday and there was all kinds of food. So we want to have like every cell group do something special uh, in terms of food for the community. And uh, except that I maybe do not like to have the Teban Garden residents be filled with the spirit of Bailey Cream liqueur, which I had a double portion of uh, last Sunday. Uh, we can have ice cream, but let's not have that Bailey Cream spirit. So, like I say, I'm looking for 10 of everything and, and possibly more. And I've also consulted a professional head massager, head masseuse, who, who does head and, and feet. Actually, she's my cousin. And I've already asked her to help us do training. So it'll be on the 27th of May. Okay, keep your diary free. 27th of May afternoon uh, to learn how to massage the head, a simple one, and learn how to massage your feet. So husbands can do for wife and wife can do for husband. And we can all do for the community. 27th of May. And as I was speaking to my cousin about doing a head and foot massage, she said, I think why don't you just think about head massage? Because foot massage can be very gross. You know, when people with ingrown toenails and dirty feet and all that and come to you, and then I say, oh, the more I want to do, the grosser, the better. No, la, I didn't say that, la, but I thought that. It's like, that's the whole idea. Why, why do you think I said that? You think I have a foot fetish or what? No, because I want to be obedient. Because that is as close as you get to Jesus' teaching about washing one another's feet. And actually, to massage a feet or to cut a toenail, you need to wash the feet, right? Or at least to soak it in so that the toenails are a bit softer. So let's get into the Bible. Why? John chapter 13, I just read a shorter passage from verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet, the disciples' feet, and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. And some have called, called this the ninth beatitude. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about blessed are you if uh, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. And this can be called the ninth beatitude. Blessed are you if you wash one another's feet. And if we are to follow Christ, if we are to be blessed, if we wash feet, then we have to be professional servants. We are Christ-professing servants. That's why I use the word professional. Christ-professing servants. Last Saturday, Elder Edwin at the Men's Network shared about the difference between serving, performing a service, and professing to be servants. There's a difference between service and servants. Doing a service is an act. Being a servant 
is an attitude. Two weeks ago, I also talked about something like this, about obedience, remember? Obedience to wash feet is just an act. Submission to the Lord as servants of the Most High in His Majesty's service is an attitude. The difference between an act and an attitude. And you know what they say, right? Some people say that many people want to serve God not as His servants, but as His advisors. God, I think you should do this. God, I think you should do that. And many people serve for all kinds of reasons, but not many people are servants in attitude. Lots of people want to help in the community and all that, but they want to have National Day Award honours from the government. That kind of act versus attitude. And so as we look at the various anniversaries here in our church of the Boys' Brigade, of the kindergarten, of our community services centre, in the church itself, I think we get a pretty good idea of what a true servant is like. I saw this, uh, I, I showed this last year, uh, last Sunday, and, and this is a true servant. It's like you serve quietly for more than 20 years, nobody knows what's, what you've done, but the service is provided. Like uh, these servants, which was taken in the year 2004, somebody helped me. I didn't know how to use Photoshop at that time. And they are, I look at them and they are still serving. From uh, 2004 when this picture was taken or when this picture was Photoshopped. 2017, they are still serving. Or even going further back. I don't know what year this is. I really couldn't find a year. Some of us here may remember Coffee Concetto which we had in this hall when it was not yet aircon. Okay? Coffee concito, <laughs> concetto. Uh, you recognize some of them? Top uh, standing from the left, who? Edwin Chua. And then Bernard. And the middle one, who? Paul. Uh, and then Lawrence. And then that's Sean, who's not uh, with our church anymore. And on the bottom, I think uh, probably only one face. Second from the right. Okay, that's Rosalind. Still serving. So how did the Lord Jesus demonstrate the character of a servant? The Lord Jesus didn't look at clouds. He didn't look at clouds. He looked at a need and he met it. And I want to say that a servant does not look at clouds. He looks for a need and he meets it in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Okay, what does it mean? Uh, the New Living Translation helps us uh, a, a bit better. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Um, so you could be saying, oh, I'm only 16 years old and I'm only 18 years old um, and, and I must concentrate on my studies. I shouldn't be out here leading worship or playing an instrument and, and I'll serve, I'll serve after my O-levels. Or I'll serve, I'll serve, I'll serve God after my A-levels. Or then maybe it's like, oh, no, 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 after my national service first, okay? It's, it's going to be a tough time in national service. I'll serve after my NS or... or 
And, and you know, when, when officers will, will at that time give you a very hard time in national service, and they always say that national service men are blur. Blur, because they're like so cloudy, you know, everything in front of them is cloudy. And I'll, I'll serve after university. After university, I will serve. Uh, for now, it's very cloudy. Or after my first job, when I get my first job, I, of course, I have to make uh, a good impression uh, to my bosses. Let me get my first promotion first, and then I will serve. Or, or let me become a manager first, you know. Let me get some profit sharing, get some stock options, build up a nest egg, and then, then I will serve. Um, or if you're married, then, oh, no, no, no. Okay, even Bible say one year honeymoon, right? One year honeymoon. Then after my honeymoon, uh, I will serve. For now, it's very cloudy because I'm on cloud nine. Or, or when the kids come, when after the kids come, you know the foundation years, they're so important. I really need to be looking after my kids. How can I serve in church or anywhere else? Or after they go to school, then I got more free time, then I can serve. Before long, you will get quite old already and you say, oh yeah, then let the young ones serve. Lah. Let the young ones serve. You see, my eyes are cloudy. Got cataract, now cannot serve. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 tells us: do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. <coughs> do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you now have it with you. Uh, maybe I make another pitch for the Boys Brigade donations. You got your checkbook, right? You can write a check, right? Yeah, you got it now. Do it now. Don't say, oh, put it in my pocket. I'll think about it. I'll pray over it. And then by next week, everything is, is forgotten. When you have the ability to do it now. So what is the word here? The word here is, yeah, it even takes a very long time to come out. To delay or to postpone doing something is to procrastinate. And you know what some people say, right? When it comes to service, uh, some people will stop at nothing. You get it? Nothing. Just don't serve. You stop at nothing. So a servant does not look at clouds. He looks for a need and he meets it. How else did Jesus demonstrate the character of a servant? He doesn't look around for someone else to do it. So it was an unpleasant job to wash feet. He didn't look around. His eyes were fixed on being obedient to the Father. So a servant doesn't look around. He looks up. He looks up to the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is Jesus. In Romans chapter 14, verse 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You look around at, at those who are serving. We, we look around and we say, Oh, these are the serving kind. These are not the serving kind. And, and then we start to criticize uh, uh, others. And, and then if we have served for a while, we feel offended that, um, that people are criticizing us or, or even that they are not praising us or saying a word of, of thanks. And it, it affects our pride. It affects our self-worth. And we begin to look around and then say, this is no good, that's no good. And this one, well, you, you, you're not thankful to me. 
and you just get into a mess when you look around. It's sort of like, you know, if there is an important job to do and everybody was asked to do it and everybody was sure that somebody would do it, anybody could have done it but nobody did it, somebody got angry because it was everybody's job, everybody thought anybody would do it but nobody realised that everybody would not do it and it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Ah, something like that, right? Just leave it. Just, just don't look around. Don't look around for everybody or nobody or somebody or anybody. Look up. Look up to the author and finisher of our faith, our servant king. The story was told was of D.L. Moody. Some of you might have heard of D.L. Moody, a very famous evangelist and preacher in America in the 1800s. And there was, um, he established the Northfield uh, Bible conferences. So like every year, people would come to this place to have a conference, a Christian conference in uh, Massachusetts, uh, near Boston. And um, following the custom of those days, uh, when you go into a dormitory or like a hotel, you will leave your shoes outside and somebody will take care of your shoes. They will clean your shoes and polish your shoes so that when you wake up the next morning, your shoes will all be clean and ready. And I had that experience. You know, in the year 1970, about 1978, no, 78, early 78, uh, I wanted to fly even when I was in university in England. So I went to Beacon Hill uh, near London. Uh, for medical examinations where I lied again that I didn't have asthma. Uh, but I stayed at the officer's quarters because I was already an officer at that time. So we go into the officer's quarter, you sleep there. And um, we were in jeans and, and sneakers and all that. And early in the morning, I was shocked to, to find someone in my room. Mr. Tang, your tea, sir. I was like, What? You know, you just come into my room and you serve me tea. And then, because it was sneakers, he cannot polish. So he didn't polish my shoes. But it's like that, right? So this group of Christian leaders came to Massachusetts and they just left their shoes uh, outside. Um, and D.L. Moody was walking the halls of the dormitory that night and he saw all these shoes outside. And he looked around and nobody had planned uh, had a plan to clean the shoes because it wasn't the American custom at all. And so he mentioned the need to some of the Bible school students, but they all pretended to look blur. They were cloudy. And so Moody himself returned to the dorm. He gathered up all the shoes and alone in his own room, the most famous evangelist in those days, cleaned and polished the shoes. The next morning, all the foreign visitors came and they saw the shoes, they thought it was up at the end, you know, it's to be expected. And um, they didn't think, any about it, but, uh, think anything about it. And um, nobody knew who it was who polished their shoes. And Moody himself told nobody until there was one guy, and that's how the story came out. One guy saw him doing it. And then for the rest of the next five days where the conference was going on, People knew what had happened, and they began to volunteer. So one guy set the example, and it changed the attitude 
one guy did an act and it changed the attitude of the Bible school students. So I was just thinking, maybe we should install CCTV all over PPH, you know? And then I will go around and I will drop a tissue here and, and see and see who will pick up uh, the tissue, who will have a servant's heart. But actually, we don't need to do that because I know that there are many DL Moody type servants uh, here in this church. And you know, I'm not omniscient, right? I'm not omniscient by any means and not all-knowing like God. But I do know of various PPH members who are quietly serving people. And some of the grossest tasks, one time there was a toilet stuck. Uh, you know, there was feces and somebody just dirtied the whole place and it was stuck. And I know of people who went there to clean it up. Okay, because it was a Sunday, we couldn't like call a contractor and all that. They went and cleaned it up. I know of people who, uh, when somebody uh, uh, has soiled himself or herself, and then they quietly just let that person to the toilet and they bend down and they clean the person up. See, when we serve, our physical eyes need to be on the work, of course, right? To, to bend down, to help to serve the person. But our spiritual eyes, if you're looking down and you're looking around, it's going to be a gross thing. But our spiritual eyes are looking up. They're looking up at the author and finisher of our faith, who for the example, who set us an example of servanthood. And that's why he had joy, even though he endured the cross and suffered his shame. So there is a very big difference between serving, which is an act, and being a servant, which is an attitude. Now, if you quit because somebody criticized you, then maybe you are just serving. If you keep on serving in spite of criticism, then you are a servant. If you quit because nobody praised you or nobody even noticed you or thanked you, then maybe you are just serving. But if you stay on even though nobody notices you or recognize your effort, then it could be that you are a servant. What's the difference? If you're doing it because nobody, want, no, nobody else will, you are serving. If you're doing it with eyes on the Lord to serve the Lord, then you are a servant. If you do it only as long as it doesn't interfere with your other activities, then you are serving. If you're committed to staying the cause, even when it means letting go of other things, then you are a servant. If your concern is success, you are serving. If your concern is God's glory, and honour your servant. An average church is filled with people serving. A great and growing church is filled with servants. But you must know, and you ought to know, that God is not some taskmaster. We've got several KPIs, key performance indicators for you uh, about serving and, 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 and service, right? God loves us. He wants to bless us. If only we would learn in our heart of hearts to be servants as an attitude and not just an act. It's, it's so different, right? Um, a story is told of, of a husband who on the day of the marriage handed her a list of 25 ways to serve him. It's just the, the very high C kind, right? Uh, that, that might as well just let you know on the first day. And, and then he assessed her based on that as KPIs. And, and the wife hated it. Hated it. I can do this for you, but you know, you list it down and it's like a list of service I must do for you. And she began to hate him. Then one day, this abusive husband died and then she fell in love with another man 
and she married another man who loved her dearly and she did everything for him to please him. And after many, many blissful years of marriage, as she was rummaging some old stuff, she came across this list of 25 things that her first husband gave to her. And, and when she saw that thing, the anger built up in her heart uh, once again. But then as she read it, she began to laugh. She says, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all these things for my new husband and there is great joy. There is great joy instead of great ang- anger for the first husband. Now it's that great joy doing exactly the same thing for her loving husband. And that's the experience I would like all of us here in PPH to have. That great joy of being a servant. That we will not look at clouds. That we will instead look at a need and we will meet it. That we will not look around and pass comments or criticize or, or feel judged or be offended. But instead, we will look up at the author and finisher of our faith. Because we are servants of the Most High God. Because we are in His Majesty's service. So let's pray. If I then, your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Lord, we give you thanks for the supreme example that you gave to us when you washed the disciples' feet. And we pray too we can be like that with a servant's heart. I want to pray now for those who have served many years that you will feel the favour, the honour, the affirmation of God Almighty. I want to pray too for those who are offended while in service and maybe you've just given up. It's not worth it. Then I want to pray that the Lord will heal our hearts and that we will come back into service this time with a servant's attitude. I'd like to pray for each one of us that we will serve with joy, like that wife to a husband, to a God who loves us and not a God who gives us KPIs. That out of the depth of our heart and our soul, we will receive joy when we serve. And I pray too that we will look out for practical opportunities to serve one another. Lord, thank you for your word to us from John chapter 13. Indeed, may our lives be blessed because we do them, not as just an act of service, but as from a servant's heart. God, I pray for healing. I pray for your soft and gentle and comforting touch to everyone who has suffered some injustice or wrong or unfair criticism when they serve. And Lord, I pray that you will lift them up on your loving hands. You would love them. You would 
envelop them with your grace and your love. And you say to them, Child, drop that, serve again. I'm going to be with you. Father, may your love, may your grace be sufficient for each one of us as servants of the Most High God. I pray in Jesus' name.